Good morning, Canberra. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show from 11.30 till 12.30 on a Sunday morning. So today we're talking all things science um, and we're tackling a, a fairly sort of controversial issue today. So many would uh, agree that science has, has many aspects to it. But today we're talking about social research and how social research helps shape government policies. So to give you a bit of background into what we're talking about today, um, in 2011, the ACT Chief, Chief Minister, which was Katie Gallagher at the time, launched what was known as the Naloxone um, program. So I remember at the time this being quite a controversial program, but we'll talk all about this program um, very, very shortly. So in the studio today, I have two panellists with me. So we have Sione Crawford, who is the manager of the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Adv Advocacy, which is acronym CAHMA, C-A-H-M-A. So this is the Canberra Drug User Organisation Sione only recently came to the ACT, but has worked in the HIV and viral hepatitis prevention, care and treatment and support and peer education areas for around 10 years. So we'll uh, get Sione to tell us more, more about his organisation and, and the topic very shortly. Uh, also in the studio joining me is David McDonald. So David is what is known as a social scientist. So as we were talking about before we went on air, where we know about medical researchers and biomedical researchers, but David's going to tell us about his area of social science. So uh, David's research interests include public health and criminology, particularly uh, alcohol and other drugs policy, and better understanding the research policy nexus. So as well as being a consultant in social research and evaluation, he is a visiting fellow at the Australian National University at the, Cent at the National Centre for Epidemiology and Population Health. Um, and is also a member of the Drug Policy Modelling and Research Team. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I guess we'll go back and, and let's talk about this issue. So, David, um, the Naloxone program came from a, a larger program, a larger issue of heroin users in Canberra. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about, I guess, just defining this issue for our listeners today? Yes, and thank you. Um, for many years, of, of course, people have been um, concerned about heroin in Canberra and, and, and nationally. I think we all know that drug use is an integral part of what we are as human beings. Every human society uh, has, has had drugs in it and people have used those drugs for all kinds of reasons, for recreation, to overcome pain, for spiritual, to enhance their spirituality. So drug use is deeply embedded in our cultures and in who we are. And when we talk about drug, uh, the, the, the large definition really is anything that changes the way we think or feel. Um, but, but so we can think about both legal drugs like alcohol and tobacco and coffee because they change how you think and feel. Uh, but I guess in much of our discussion today we'll be talking uh, about the other uh, category of, of drugs, illegal drugs, and um, and some other and uh, legal drugs that are often used illegally. So we are particularly interested in the group of drugs referred to as opioids. So we'll be talking about opioid overdose later, and opioids are the class of drugs that we often don't know as narcotics. They're drugs that make you sleepy, first of all, 
but uh, if, if, if you continue to use, uh, we, we uh, suppress the, uh, the central nervous system, which leads to loss of breathing and eventually heart failure, and that's what we call an opioid overdose. So what about opioid users in Canberra? That's the question. Um, we don't have exact figures. Obviously, some behaviour which is illegal. Um, it's not possible to know just how many people are, are doing these things. What we do know, though, is that at present we've we've got um, just under a thousand people in treatment for um, particularly for, for opioid dependence, particularly mostly for heroin dependence. Um, just under a thousand, and we can estimate that there are probably three times um, the, the number who uh, um, overall uses in Canberra. So we might say there, there is something approaching 3,000 active users, um, the majority, vast majority of whom would be dependent heroin users in the Canberra community. So uh, that's a big number. And yeah, very what, much. Mm, what what you might uh, le what leads from there though is to acknowledge that there are also a lot of people who use these drugs but are not dependent upon them. Mm. They're able to fit them into their life lifestyle in a way which which is not particularly harmful. And what we believe is that there's probably three times the number of dependent users are non-dependent. So when we put all that together, we can see that there's a significant heroin market in, in the ACT, a significant number of people using, um, and among that, a significant level of, um, of harm related to, those, to that drug use. Yeah, so it's a, we're kind of defining the issue here now. And so I guess what we'd currently do... Um, if, if we saw someone that had just had a heroin overdose, you know, if, if it's just a person on the street, we might call a paramedic or an ambulance. And for years, ambulance and, and paramedics have been using what is known as naloxone to reverse the, um, I guess, the, the effects of heroin. So, Sione, can you tell us a bit about how that actually works? And then we'll talk a bit more about why this new naloxone program in Canberra is actually considered a bit controversial. Sure thing. Um, so naloxone itself is, uh, as you said, is a substance that's been used by AMBOs and emergency departments for some time to reverse opioid overdoses. So it's uh, an ad antagonist uh, to heroin. Uh, it, it, just uh, as a quick aside, um, often people get a little bit confused about some of the terminology, so I just want to make it clear that uh, we're not speaking about naltrexone here. Naltrexone is a different drug. Uh, it is used uh, occasionally in drug treatment, but naloxone is sometimes commonly referred to as Narcan, which is, its, which is one of the brand names it uses. We use naloxone because we don't actually use uh, the brand name Narcan for a number of reasons. Uh, but naloxone itself is almost like a, a wonder drug in the sense that uh, the only thing that it does, essentially, is reverse uh, opioids. It knocks the opioids off of people's receptor sites. And so in the case of an overdose, when someone has uh, taken um, a bit too much of uh, whatever opioid it is that they're using, uh, naloxone, if it's uh, administered, uh, in uh, a timely fashion basically reverses the overdose uh, and obviously this is uh, critically important uh, to be done as soon as possible. Um, so we'll talk a bit more about the trial and how it came about, about but what's important to remember here is that uh, drug users are actually a community and people generally care about one another and so uh, getting the loxone into drug users' hands was seen as a vitally important way to save lives. 
Yeah, great. Well, I think before we uh, before we get back into the issue of the Naloxone program in Canberra, we might have a quick break. So um, we'll play a song now for you. So um, I've chosen a, a song by In Excess, but this is a cover version called uh, of Never Tear Us Apart. It's by Lee Harding and Ryan Enright. It's actually quite a nice cover version. So um, here it is. And that was a beautiful cover version there of In Excess's Never Tear Us Apart by Lee Harding and Ryan Enright. So you're listening to 2XXFM on 98.3 and it's the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. And today we are talking about the about Canberra's Naloxone program. And for those that um, are just joining us on the show, naloxone is a medicine that temporarily reverses the effects of heroin. And joining me in the studio, we have Sione and David, who are going to tell us a bit more about the naloxone program and particularly around why this is actually a science issue and, and how science is involved in this issue. So before we get into that aspect of it, David, can you tell us a bit about the history of Canberra's naloxone program? And, and what it involves. Yes, and it's important to note that Canberra's naloxone program is the very first in Australia. Up till now, as Siano said earlier, uh, naloxone had been used by paramedics and doctors in emergency departments, and that was really that was restricted to those settings. Uh, it was considered that only medically trained people really were in a position to uh, carry this drug and inject it to people who were um, experiencing an an overdose with a view to helping them to recover and not go on to an overdose death. The challenge that arose, though, was that very large number of the overdose deaths that occurred among heroin users or opioid users across Australia and here in in Canberra... um, occur uh, in, in, in situations where medical people can't get there quickly enough. We've got a really good ambulance service here, but it, only, it, it takes only a short, relatively short time for people to die from a, from a heavy opioid overdose, and often before an ambulance, deaths occur before an ambulance can arrive. But one thing that we also know is that uh, people very frequently use opioid drugs um, in company with with friends, with other users or perhaps family are present. And so there's an opportunity for what we might call um, overdose bystanders or overdose witnesses to actually revive the person before the uh, a medical um, before an ambulance can arise, so that was the the understanding among particularly among people who use opioid drugs in the ACT. Uh, that led to the the the, the uh, director, the, the wonderful manager of uh, of Karma, the local drug user organisation, uh, to uh, Nicole Wiggins to put forward a proposal to uh, people in other drug and alcohol organisations in the Canberra and to the ACT government to conduct a trial of uh, of, of community based. Uh, naloxone. What that really meant was prescribing naloxone to uh, people who are potential drug overdose witnesses, to people who are active drug users, so that the drug was out in the community and hopefully present at the time when somebody overdoses and could be used on the spot to help that person recover. 
What made that innovative and controversial was that we're talking about having people who are not medically trained uh, injecting people with a medication with a, with a view to, with the aim of uh, producing a good health outcome. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, Sione, um, you weren't involved with Karma at the start of this trial, um, but you would have, like, the, the Karma organisation would have been involved in getting participants to be involved in the trial. I believe at the beginning, was it 23 participants in the trial, David, at the beginning of the study? Uh, the trial's been conducted over a period of two years. Yep. We've, we've enrolled approximately 200 people oh, in the wow. trial okay. uh, over, that, over that full period. Uh, we've finished enrolling people in the trial, Our data collection is completed and we're now doing the data analysis on those 200 people who've been trained and prescribed naloxone in a way that Sione could describe. So, uh, Sione, is it hard actually finding participants to get involved in a, in a trial like this because basically they're telling you that they are users of heroin or opioids? That's actually a really good question. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the innovative, one of the other innovative aspects of this uh, program is that it's uh, run and uh, really very much steered by a drug user organisation. I think it's probably worth quickly uh, speaking about what that is. Um, For sure, yeah. I, I am a, uh, a heroin user, and it's not often, as you've just pointed out, that people are o okay to say that sort of thing. What drug user organisations do is provide a peer-based organisation, uh, which means that people with a history of injecting drug use, you don't actually have to be a current user particularly to work there, uh, but what we have is uh, an organisation that's made up of people who have a lived expertise and experience around illicit drug use in particular, including injection of of, of heroin, say, um, and that in itself is slightly controversial. The work we do is based around uh, health promotion, community development, peer education, and it's about... Uh, we do a wide range of work, which I won't go into right now, but basically what it's all about is about... Uh, um, facilitating the most some of the most marginalized people in our society to actually engage with uh, health services and also to advocate on their behalf around around these health services to make sure that we're providing the best quality um, health care that we can so how that fits into this process i suppose is that being a uh, peer-based organization means that we're very much uh in tune with and locked into uh the drug using community in Canberra. So it can be difficult to recruit people, but at the beginning it certainly wasn't particularly because this was, as David, I think, uh, mentioned, uh, was a bit of a ground, uh, groundswell or a grassroots movement where people who inject drugs want this and wanted this f to help save their friends and their family. And so actually finding, especially the first 100 or 150 people for the uh, trial, was not a huge issue as far as I can as far as I can tell. Um, we've had a little bit of issue uh, recently uh, because, as you say, it can be a big thing for people to come out. And I think that's one of the, one of the things I'll talk about in a minute is, is, is who is allowed to have uh, naloxone prescribed to them. But I'll just briefly talk about the program. But you're right, it starts with recruitment. Yeah. And so now there's a lot of uh, uh, knowledge about it in Canberra. There's a lot of mouth-to-mouth uh, uh, -mouth, uh <laughs> word of mouth I should say uh, advertising I suppose amongst users we also put up posters and you know that sort of thing Ad uh, advertise it on our radio show 
uh, advertise it at our um, yeah. Not to mention that um, the Canberra Times did a fair right. bit of um True. of I, I guess you call it advertising yeah. in their paper when it was the trial was starting, yep. the trial was recruiting, and just last year when the trial trial was being evaluated. So um, yeah. And Katie Gallagher at the time was right behind the trial, I believe, which we can talk about as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's been a wonderful set of partners involved in this actually across Canberra. Uh, and as you said, Katie has been was uh, one of the main drivers in this on the government level. So, David, um, this is a, a trial. It's similar, almost. I guess you'd think about this as a, a trial for trying to find uh, a cure for a disease or something like that. You want to be able to analyse and evaluate this trial in a way that is scientifically valid. Um, and and what we were talking about before the show as well is so you have the data for the politicians and for the government officials to be able to shape their policies. And that's something that you're very heavily involved with is um, is turning research into policy development. Um, and that's a really important aspect of, of science and research. So, David, you um, want me to get... To, you want to explain to your audience what a social scientist and social researcher actually is. So before we get into about how you evaluated this trial, tell us a bit about your background as a social scientist. Most um, listeners would be, when you think about a scientist, you think of somebody in a white coat working in a laboratory, perhaps with chemicals or with animals, getting animals to run a maze, or (laughs) uh, maybe astronomers looking, finding new stars and things. And um, so that just highlights the fact that there are lots of different kinds of research. Absolutely. Social research is, is what I do and my colleagues do. So we, we, we describe ourselves as social scientists. Now, social science is defined as the scientific study of human society and social relationships. So note the three parts of the definition of what is social science. First of all, it's a scientific study. Secondly, it's about exploring what our societies look like. And thirdly, it's about trying to understand the interrelationships between people and groups in society uh, where those and, and, and the implications of that. Uh, so when we go f- from the definition of social science and then think about what is social science research, we can define that as the gathering and analysis of social data using scientific methods. Social data using scientific methods. And a traditional way of classifying the way we go about research is to think about um, three kinds of data and three kinds of, of data analysis strategies. One addressing quantitative data, numerical type data. Another addressing qualitative data, narratives, etc. And increasingly importantly is what we refer to as mixed methods. In other words, ways of combining the quantitative and qualitative data to answer important social science questions. Great. So you have recently published a paper, well, it was last year, and the paper was called Working Together, Expanding the Availability of Naloxone for Peer Administration to Prevent Opioid Overdose Deaths in the Australian Capital Territory and Beyond. So do you want to tell us a bit about the findings from this paper? And I guess what the paper was also setting out to achieve is is to tell not only the community but also the science community about this issue. One of the very important things in using social science research to contribute to policy work is to differentiate between the actual implementation of a program and trying to understand its outcomes, its results. And so um, 
this particular trial was set up with an external independent evaluation group. Uh, so what we mean, mean then is that Sioni and his colleagues, uh, along with med medical and nursing staff, are implementing the training program, teaching people how to how to use naloxone and, and when to use it and other things related to that. Uh, but quite separately from that is the evaluation. We have a four-person um, which which includes leading drug policy researchers across Australia, and... Uh, and, and the evaluation is based around a series of evaluation questions. I could turn to those questions when we talk about the actual uh, interim findings of the evaluation, if that would be helpful, Ian. Uh, but in terms of the methodology of the evaluation, as I said earlier, we're recruiting approximately 200 people over a period of two years into the trial. Uh, they are active um, users and other potential overdose witnesses. Uh, they, they receive training. The evaluation includes a pre-post training assessment. In other words, we measure people's knowledge and understanding and attitudes before and after the training to assess the degree to which the training is successful. We then do follow-up interviews with everybody who's gone through the training, asking them about their reflecting back on the training and what they've done with the new knowledge and attitudes and skills that they've, they've gained. We've uh, interviewed in particular people who have used the naloxone to, to reverse uh, an opioid overdose and uh, that way gain detailed knowledge, detailed information about how the naloxone is, is being used as a significant public health intervention in the ACT. The point um, to, to make about that is the trial is an implementation trial. Now, we don't need to do research to answer a question, is naloxone effective in reversing overdoses? Because we know that from, from hospital emergency departments and ambulance services. What we, the key underlying research question, evaluation question for this particular trial is, an imp is about implementation, asking questions such as can naloxone be used appropriately by people in a non-medical setting within the ACT context to reverse overdose, uh, heroin, opioid overdoses? Yeah, excellent. So I've got here in front of me an article from um, the Canberra Times from February 14th last year, and it says that uh, the 110,000 ACT government-funded program trained people close to users to administer the drug, which reverses the effects of overdose from the opioids. Mm -hmm. So who, who exactly is being trained to use this? Um, Serena, are you able to answer mm -hmm. that? Absolutely. Look, it's uh, actually an anomaly, uh, not an anomaly, but I suppose it's one of the interesting aspects of this uh, program is that the naloxone must be prescribed to the person for whom it is going to be used on. So whilst we undertake training with a wide range of people, including families and friends, uh, the naloxone needs to be prescribed to uh, the person for whom it's going to be used on. Now, um, we've a, a huge, a large amount of work was put in, and uh, a large amount of groundwork was put in to ensure that um, if a person happened upon another person and used utilised their naloxone upon that person, uh, that they would be perfectly safe um, under the law. Uh, but generally speaking, yes, our for a number of reasons, not just because of the legal issues, but actually for uh, the reasons of if, if, if efficacy, the people we are really focusing on are people who are actually using uh, opioids currently. That's not to say that we don't train, because we certainly do uh, train and work with people who are close to 
to, to users as well. Yeah, great. Well, we might have um, a quick break for a song right now, but when we come up, um, back after the break, we might talk a bit more about the data collection from this study and how you guys have gone about collecting the data, um, and then also about how this um, evaluation is then going to help the policy development into the future. And Canberra is, is basically leading the way in this, in this research at the moment and this evaluation of this program. Um, but... We'll, we'll talk more about how it's being incorporated Australia-wide and is it being incorporated Australian-wide. So um, we'll now play a song by Evermore, which is The Light Surrounding You. And that was The Light Surrounding You by Evermore. So, welcome to... Uh, you're listening to 2XXFM on 98.3. And this is the Fuzzy Logic Science Show, which is uh, Sunday science for you. So, I hope you're enjoying the beautiful Sunday weather that Canberra is giving everyone today. So, if you're just joining us, um, you can listen to our show on, like I said, on 98.3 FM. But you can also listen to our podcast, which is available at the iTunes Podcast Store, which is the... Just do a search for the Fuzzy Logic Science Show, or even if you do Fuzzy Logic Science Show in Google, our podcast will come up, and and you might be listening to us on our podcast, which means it's not actually Sunday for you guys. So thank you for listening. Uh, so before we went to the to the song, we were talking about um, today in the show. We're talking about Canberra's Naloxone program. And in the studio with me, we have David and Sioni, who are very much involved in this program from the as far back as actually recruiting for participants um, to evaluating the trial. And we were talking to David, who is a social scientist, about his recent paper, which was published in the journal Drug and Alcohol Review. Um, and he's sort of starting to collect findings from this trial that has been taking place in Canberra over the past four years, involving 200 or so people that are actually using naloxone to reverse the effects of, of a heroin overdose. So, David, we were talking in the break about some of the findings that you've collected so far from, um, from this four-year trial. So, do you want to tell us a bit more about this? The trial has got four main research questions or evaluation questions that are being explored through the data collection and data analysis. Uh, we are... It's not... The, 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 that process is still continuing but the final results will be released uh, within the next few months but the first question that, that, the, that the evaluation is, is exploring is can naloxone be used appropriately by people in a non-medical setting within the ACT context and uh, we've explored that through two different approaches the first is to assess the effectiveness of the training program and what we've found um, through is that the training has been very successful. Uh, virtually all the participants significantly increased their understanding about the nature of, of uh, drug overdoses, um, the causes of it, and how to actually resuscitate people, um, including but not exclusively 
using naloxone as a tool for um, for reverse, reversing the overdose. So the data are very strong, confirming that the training program works. So even though these, the, the, the participants do not have any medical training themselves, uh, they have been able to rapidly uh, and effectively learn the right skills and attitudes to be able to be uh, good responders in the community. And the second um, set of data then is about participants' experiences in administering naloxone and actually being revived by, um, by people who used naloxone provided through the program. Um, what we found is, is when we released our interim, re interim results that were published uh, in, that, in that recent paper was that up to a certain uh, point during last year there had been 23 reversals. Now what that really means is of the people who went through the training program uh, and were prescribed naloxone and had naloxone with them, in 23 cases they injected naloxone into somebody who had collapsed from an opioid overdose, whose breathing was, was getting weaker and weaker and weaker, whose heart was starting to fail. They injected them with the naloxone and those people recovered straight away. Their lives were saved by those um, by that intervention. So in anyone's terms, that seems to be a very pleasing and successful outcome. It's pleasing in terms of saving lives and it's pleasing in terms of the fact that it's extremely cost-effective. Lives are saved for a tiny amount of money. In fact, it costs if I'm right, $32 approximately um, for a for prescription and um, this is a very cheap way of saving lives. So those first findings um, are suggesting that, that we answer yes to the research question can naloxone be used appropriately by people in a non-medical setting within the ACT um, context. And maybe I could, Ian, just, just um, read out to you what one of the uh, people who'd been through the program uh, said to us when Absolutely. we asked about that experience. They, we, we're really grateful to the participants for contributing to the evaluation and, and re re telling us their experiences. One person said, his lips started going blue. I laid him on the ground and listened for air. There was no air. I started breathing for him. In other words, mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. I started breathing for him, and he couldn't breathe himself, so that's when I put the naloxone into him. I injected it intramuscularly. I tried breathing on him again. Still no breathing, so I gave him another two injections. That's when his breath came back. So that was uh, somebody who witnessed an overdose, had naloxone, and combined the use of naloxone with the other methods of resuscitation, uh, such as expired air resuscitation. So it's a nice example from the word, using the words of someone who'd gone through the program and used the new skills effectively and so potentially saved a life. Absolutely. And like we were saying, people have the, the people to administer naloxone have been trained to do so as part of this program, and this is probably an aspect that Sione was involved in in, in helping people to, to get trained. Um, I guess one of the things that's going through my head as someone that's quite... Um, naive to this trial and hasn't doesn't really have any idea about um, the, the goings on around it is I'm kind of imagining it's very similar to someone administering an EpiPen to someone that's um, 
you know, just had an allergic reaction or something like that. Is that a, a very similar way to describe it? And secondly, um, what we, another thing we were talking about at the start of the show is is the timing involved. So if someone has had a heroin overdose and, and you're watching this happen, do we have enough time to call an ambulance, which might take anywhere from 5 to 10 to 15 minutes, or do we... Are we saving lives from the basis that these people are able to administer this medicine straight away, the naloxone straight away? So, Sirini, can you um, explain to us a bit about how, how that aspect of the program works? Absolutely. So, as far as the EpiPen goes, I suppose uh, it's, it's, it's not a bad analogy, but it's a, little bit, it's, it's a little bit simplistic in the sense that while absolutely there is... Uh, um, there is an injection that occurs, and it's fairly simple. Uh, an intramuscular injection that occurs, it's fairly simple. Uh, the different components to an overdose can be different for different people, different circumstances, different places. Uh, and it may not... Uh, the way that we do the training isn't to immediately uh, put the naloxone into someone, but actually to assess the situation and also to undertake recess. Perhaps I could talk a bit about the training process as well. Yeah, go for um, it. But uh, and, and during that as well, I'll, I'll talk about the length of time I suppose people have to respond because again, that differs for different people. Yeah. So the training that uh, that Karma uh, drives primarily is actually run by a team. It's generally one or two Karma people, a nurse, and a doctor. Now. We actually have two different uh, approaches, two different approaches to training, because we also run uh, the naloxone program in the transitional release centre, part of the Alexander McConaughey Centre, the prison here in the ACT, which is a, in itself a really important innovation as well. Um, that differs slightly because we can't. Uh, there are a couple of things we can't do in the in, in the prison, but generally speaking, in the community-based uh, naloxone training. What occurs is that every member of the uh, every every attendee, I should say, undertakes a pre-training quiz, and this is part of the evaluation process that uh, David was speaking about earlier on, just to assess their knowledge before they start. Of course, very common in training. Um, what we then do is run through some uh, groundwork. This all takes about two hours, by the way, but we do some groundwork around drug types, different types of drugs, so people get a clear sense that opioids are not just heroin but also might include something like morphine pills, oxycodone, uh, fentanyl is another uh, pharmaceutical that's actually incredibly uh, that can be incredibly risky for people to utilise. So we make sure people are aware that this, for in, these these drugs, for instance, are different to stimulants such as methamphetamine. Amphetamine. Um, so we give them that grounding. What we also do is explain exactly what naloxone is and how it works uh, itself. Uh, and then we move really uh, from the theory into practicality. And we will actually, the, the program itself is not just about administering naloxone, but it's actually a uh, overdose uh, response program in general. So that what we like to think is that if someone doesn't have naloxone on them, but have done our, but has done our training, uh, they should be able to keep someone going until a, an ambo turns up. And essential to that is uh, that we is that we train people in resuscitation, uh, CPR in particular, and that's why we have dumb, we have dummies. So we do role play with people. Everyone gets a chance to do it, just like you would do in a first aid course. The nurse is there. We are there. Uh, the karma staff are there as well, just to make sure everyone's doing that uh, effectively. 
Um, then we would move on to uh, naloxone administration itself. It's an intramuscular uh, injection. We have these things that are a little bit like, uh, they're not actually EpiPens. Um, so initially when we started, we had vials of naloxone that people would draw up from. Uh, but what we're using now are, in fact, uh, basically pre, uh, pre-filled, uh, little pre-filled syringes that you just add a needle to on the end and put that into someone. That's a, a measured dose. We work through with people um, how much that is, how long you should wait until you perhaps give them another dose, what you should do in between uh, giving those doses. So it's a long procedure. It's a procedure in the sense that uh, we uh, ensure that people know that there is a process they can follow that will almost certainly ensure that someone uh, is saved. Uh, what we do is also, um, and you, you mentioned the AMBOs before, there's still a crucial central part to this. So we make sure um, that the first thing people do is call triple zero as soon as there's an overdose. The idea is to call triple zero, then everything else can occur whilst you're waiting for the ambulance to come. And as you say, for a wide range of reasons, the ambulance may be five minutes or maybe 20. Uh, and what we give people is the tools to keep someone else alive for that 20 minutes at least, even if they don't have the naloxone. Yep. And David, you, you want on, to add something? Yes, on that point about the ambulance and the absolute importance of calling an ambulance in case of an overdose, one of the concerning interim findings of the evaluation that we pu- published in the paper uh, is that in half of the cases where people use the program supplied naloxone uh, to actually reverse an overdose, in half of those cases they did not call the ambulance. That's quite worrying, and we are investigating carefully to understand the actual social circumstances and the concerns that people have that lead them to um, not implement that part of their training that's so crucial. They know that they should call an ambulance, but in half the cases they did not. There are a number of different reasons for that, um, and rather than speculate now, I would just mention one, and that is that there's still a feeling among uh, some some people who use drugs that if they call an ambulance, the police might get involved as well. That does not happen unless there's actually a death. That does the, the, the ACT policing have an excellent protocol. They will not go to overdoses that ambulances are attending if there's no violence or other problems. So that, but that, but. Nonetheless, people have got many people have used drugs for many years, have deep uh, fear, experience of discrimination and fear of the law enforcement authorities, and that can be an impediment. Mm. We, we must. Um, con- it's, it's, it's a key focus of the program into the future will be to increase the rate at which ambulances are called. Yeah, great. And that's an um, excellent point of, of saying future there because what I might do is play one more song before the end of the show. But when we come back, we'll definitely focus on the future of this trial. Um, where to from here? Um, do we have funding for it to keep going? Has it been successful? Which I think is an overwhelming yes. Um, and also more about the, the policy development and, and what governments are now doing with the data that both Sione and David are collecting. Uh, so to, to finish off with the last song for the show, um, I was going to play... You might have noticed that yesterday Dami Im was um, at Gugong. Um, so I thought I'd play one of her songs, one of her covers, which is Purple Rain. So here it is, Dami Im with Purple Rain. Thank you. That was Dami M covering Purple Rain there. Um, 
So, thank you for listening to 2XFM on 98.3 FM. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show from 11.30 till 12.30 on a Sunday. And just before I forget, this week's Ask Fuzzy column in um, in the Canberra Times and, and Fairfax Media is talking about uh, why asbestos is dangerous, a very sort of controversial topic in, in Canberra. So it's a special edition. So if you get a chance to have a read through that, definitely do. And, um, yeah, figure out just exactly why asbestos is... Uh, is dangerous and also but before I forget as well on next week's episode um, we have Rod Taylor interviewing Dr Mark Selbom from the Australian National University and he is talking about the topic of psychopaths so join in next Sunday and, and you'll be able to learn all about um, Dr Selbom's research into into that into that area. So um, we don't have too long left on the show today, but today we are talking about Canberra's Naloxone program. And in the studio, I have joining me David and Ancioni, um, and we've been talking about this program for the past hour or so. Um, so we've been talking about how it started, the basis of... of um, of, of why we're starting this trial in Australia, how we recruited for it, the evaluation progress uh, process. Um, but to finish off, I thought I'd talk about, and this might sort of come under the more sort of controversial topic of, of today's, uh, top controversial um, findings from today's topic is, are there any negative outcomes from a, from a trial such as this? Is it all positive or, or are there some negative outcomes? And David, I'll, I'll start with you. So are you finding anything negative is actually coming out of this trial? One of the things that we uh, have looked for in the trial is any negative outcomes. That's a specific part of the evaluation before the trial commenced, there was some controversy and, in fact, opposition to it on the grounds that people said, oh, this will encourage people to use drugs. Uh, if, if, if people uh, know that they're likely to be resuscitated successfully by naloxone, if they have an overdose, then they will um, n not be reluctant to actually use the drugs. Now, it's not a very logical argument, but it's an emotional argument that was run quite strongly by some of the very... <coughs> excuse me, uh, very narrow um, right-wing el elements in society uh, who um, sometimes speak this way about drugs and drug users. So far, we through the trial, we've found that that, that has not been the case. There has not been any, any hint that um, th this kind of a program that saves lives actually encourages drug use. Excellent. So, um, Sione, you wanted to also focus on, on the future of this trial. Um, so, before we finish off today, where, where is this trial actually going? And then, David, we might talk to you a bit more about... You've still got many findings to evaluate and, and analyse, but also other governments and other um, politicians using your findings for programs also around Australia as well. So, Sione, do you want to tell us a bit, bit about the future of this trial? Sure thing. I, I guess, first of all, it's important to for me to say how proud I am and Karma is um, of, of the ACT, of ourselves and uh, our partners, including the ACT government, uh, for, I guess, going out on a limb, uh, despite the fact that it was slightly controversial, and uh, pushing this trial through. Um, so, the trial itself is technically over. 
So where we are at the moment is in limbo, essentially. Mm. Uh, the government are going to make a decision on its future, essentially, when they receive the findings. But at the moment, that's a little bit of an unknown, and, and frankly, that is a bit of a worry for us because we, this is something we want to continue. Having said that, uh, we have been encouraged, and we will, we do, we are continuing the program as we speak. Yeah. Uh, it's just that we are in a slight uh, limbo period where we're continuing in, along the lines of the trial, uh, but what we would ideally like to see is a much wider program that actually incorporates uh, a wider a wider um, swathe of the alcohol and drug sector, but also beyond alcohol and drugs as well, and actually um, look at making naloxone a little bit more ubiquitous, I suppose. Yep. It's a, probably another uh, conversation. But uh, we actually, are, I am actually, we are actually very optimistic about the future. But like with anything that relies upon uh, government funding, um, we hope that they take on board the evidence that appears uh, that appears is going to be positive. Um, but you can never count on anything. And the fact is, this saves people's lives. The issue, I suppose, is that people's many of the people's lives that are being saved are sometimes people who are silent or marginalised. And I think that's an important thing to remember that. Um, that's actually not always the case. There are a wide range of people in society, as David mentioned at the start, that use drugs. And actually, it's often the people who are so-called dabbling or people who are not uh, used to using drugs who um, might fall prey to overdose. Um, that's not the only group. But it's important to remember that, you know, your brothers, sisters, children, fathers, mothers are also drug users. And uh, we all deserve to live... Uh, despite the, you know, we all des we all deserve uh, a chance at living uh, a full and uh, productive life, um, and one or two mistakes along the way shouldn't um, shouldn't shouldn't condemn us to death, I suppose. Yeah. So thanks for that information. I think that's yeah really important to to know that as you're saying, it's it's important for the hopefully naloxone to be available. Is it currently available for people to to get either from their doctor <coughs> or something Look, like? Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> Absolutely. Look, in the first instance, uh, anyone who is interested in uh, the Noxone program can ring Karma. Uh, our contact details are on the web at uh, karma.org.au. Um, they can uh, phone me or the office, uh, and we can talk about the program. Uh, and... Fortunately, uh, naloxone is available on PBS now. Uh, it was uh, made available a little while, uh, some time ago now. So technically... You could probably get a script from the GP, but it's, um, which is essentially what our program does. Mm. But uh, it's a big step, a lot f for people to walk into a GP and ask for naloxone. I'm not sure how many GPs would be willing to do it, but yeah. no. Okay, so to finish yeah. off, uh, David, tell us about the the future of of your evaluation process. So we know that this trial in Canberra has finished. You've got many results probably now to analyse and to turn into reports and findings for the ACT government. Um, so what do you hope the ACT government to take out of this trial? And also, what do you hope potentially nationally for, to happen from your findings as well? One of the uh, very pleasing, unintended, uh, positive consequences of the trial is that its Noxon programs are now um, breaking out all over Australia. Uh, e even though we haven't uh, published the final results of the trial, we, ha we have pu published last year the interim findings that were very positive and, and referred to as such by the Chief Minister and Minister for Health, Katie Gallagher, at the time. Um, 
we, we, we've now got a naloxone program operating in New South Wales, in, in, in inner city King, Kings Cross. Uh, there's another a large one being rolled out in um, Victoria, also in South Australia, and one under active development, which actually commenced in Western Australia. Um, so this has occurred uh, from a situation where there was no community-based naloxone programs to over a period of 18 months, we've now got it operating in a number of those states. So that's been one of the really good spin-offs. Uh, people took risk in the ACT mm. and it paid off and the evidence base is there for, for its expansion. So that's one aspect. There are a couple of other aspects that uh, we have documented uh, that, have, that have been findings of, this, of the study that are matters that need more attention into the future. Uh, one is with regard to the scheduling of naloxone um, as a therapeutic good. So currently it's only available on prescription. Uh, there's many people argue that it should be available over the, over the counter because it doesn't have any harms, uh, but it does have obviously these good outcomes. But linked to that would be matters of how much it would cost if it was available over the counter. It would be far more expensive than the way it is now under the PBS. Another issue is about th uh, third parties um, and about, about what the legal situation is that Sione has referred to, who can legally use the drug and who can, um, given the current arrangement that it's a prescription-only drug. Um, another aspect is the fact that um, the, it can, currently can only be used uh, as an injected drug, usually injected into big muscles of the arm or the thigh or the buttocks, for example, um, in, in the United States, it's sometimes used in... There's a intranasal uh, a spray into the nose uh, for, formula uh, that's not authorised for use in Australia, but further technological developments along those lines could be helpful. That would potentially be better than having to inject. Um, and another aspect, important aspect, that we're doc documenting is about which service providers should be involved. So currently Karma is the only mm -hmm. service provider in Canberra mm -hmm. who's actually promoting uh, the use of naloxone. Um, some people are saying, well, maybe it should be available through all the drug treatment agencies and in community health centres and other, other places um, around, around our community. In other words, far more readily available. As I could mention that in a number of places in the USA now, uh, all police officers actually carry uh, naloxone with them to reverse overdoses because police are often uh, some of the first people to, to be present in the case of an overdose. And, and then the, and the final point I'd mentioned, Ian, that's a f finding of the evaluation that we think needs more attention, is that although we have one particular model operating in the ACT, it's a very tight model with, with well, quite strict rules and regulations around it, um, as we move into the future, both in Canberra and elsewhere, we will probably see the, the need for different types of programs developing in different places for different population groups. Some, like ours, that have significant training programs as part of it. Others might be much more streamlined and simply hand out than the than naloxone. And there's a whole, whole bunch of different uh, options will probably evolve as time goes on based in part on the wonderful innovative work done by uh, Karma 
and the ACT government in, in getting this program off the ground. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for, for explaining all that. And it's great to hear that hopefully the Naloxone program does have a, um, have a future. So uh, I'd like to once again thank Sione Crawford and David McDonald for joining me in the studio today on the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. Um, it, it's been a great topic to talk about, to learn more about this program and to learn more about social research and social science as well and how science can can actually help us build government policies. I think it's a really important issue that we should be talking about on, on a more regular basis. So it's currently 12.35, and thank you for listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. So tune in next week from 11.30 a.m.